Well, do please take your seats. The passage that we heard Emma read um, from the book of Acts painted an amazing picture of the early church, didn't it? All the believers were of one heart and mind. They shared everything they had. With great power, they testified to the resurrection. Much grace was upon them all. No wonder that the church was growing so rapidly. If it was that good, no wonder people were flocking to it. Now, our vision at St. Matthew's is to be a thriving, growing church at the heart of the parish, sharing the gospel and serving the community. And we are growing, not quite at the same rate as the early church, but growing nonetheless. And that is wonderful. And I'm really optimistic that St. Matthew's will continue to grow in 2012 in a number of different ways. But why do we want to grow? Well, because we believe from Scripture and our own faith experience that the good news of Jesus Christ is life-transforming to both individuals and communities. Jesus came to heal, to restore, to comfort, to liberate, to reconcile, to save us from evil. And he continues to do that, not just in the church, but through the church, touching the lives of others. And if that's the case, how are we at St. Matthew's going to grow? Well, in terms of our activities, one of our main focuses will continue to be the area of families and children, uh, with the kids' church, the holiday clubs, our relationships with brownies and other, and other groups. Um, for any church to grow in the future, it must have a complete cross-section of ages. And of course, the children are the rising generation. They are the church of the future. The coffee shop and lunch stops also seem to be growing, and that is another way in which we touch the community, build relationships, and encourage visitors to come along and hear the good news of the gospel. This month, the Mother's Union is closing down. The Mother's Union has been running here for about 50 years or so, which is very sad for those who've been part of it. But I hope that as the group continues to meet for friendship, that it might begin a new lease of life and actually begin to grow as a fellowship, for, uh, a fellowship group for, for older people in the parish. And I'm really keen to see that happen as well. And I'd love to help with that in any way that I can. Later in the year, in the autumn, we're going to begin our first Alpha course to provide an environment in which people who want to explore the Christian faith, also people who are new to the church, or those who want to brush up on the basics, can come along and ask all the questions they want. The Alpha course has been extraordinarily effective at helping people who haven't gone to church in the past or not for a long time to begin a life of faith in Jesus Christ, and also to refresh the faith of those already coming to church. So these are just some of the ways that we might find new people joining the church family over the coming year. However, none of these things will have any lasting effect unless we understand some of the other key ingredients of the early church, which we heard about in our readings this morning. And one of these was unity. The passage in Acts says that 
all the believers were of one heart and mind, and they shared everything that they had. One of the most attractive things about the early church, and why it grew so much, is because these new Christians were all in it together. Acts chapter 2, verse verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. It's amazing, isn't it, when we think about the church across the world today, how many hundreds, if not thousands, of different denominations there are. And I'm not suggesting that that's all bad by any means, but many of them have come about through disagreement rather than because of new growth as such. And I think St. Matthew's has something really special. Christians from very different kinds of churches worshipping together for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. And everyone is making some allowances in order for that to happen. Everyone is perhaps giving up something of the way they would ideally like to worship in order that the church can reach out together to the community. And that is what unity is all about. It's not a utopian idea in which everybody feels and thinks the same way. It's about having the Christ-like humility to put others first and ourselves second. And those others are not so much others within the church, but the 98% of people who live in the parish who do not currently attend church or perhaps not even know who Jesus Christ is. As Archbishop William Temple is quoted by many people as saying, the church is the only organisation in the world which exists primarily for the benefit of its non-members. That's quite thought-provoking, isn't it? Unity comes through a godly humility in putting the needs of others before our own. Another key ingredient that you can't help but get the feeling was part of the early church was that they all joined in. Each person played their part. The Apostle Paul described it to the Corinthian church as being like a body with many different parts, which God had arranged all of the parts of the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And the body is not healthy and it can't grow unless all of the parts play their part. And here at St Matthew's, we need everybody to play their part in the body as well. And I want to say thank you so much to so many of you who play a huge part and often multiple parts in the ministry of the church here. Many of you have put in massive amounts of time and effort towards all of the different activities and the ministries and the mission that we do. But right now, with the annual meeting coming up and with some long-serving members stepping down, we do need, for example, new blood on the PCC, the church council, which um, assists with the oversight of the church and its resources and and helps to seek the way forward, if you like, in terms of the future mission and ministry of the church. The PCC meets one weekday evening a month, and on a few other occasions during the year. If you think you can help and and you're interested in uh, becoming part of that team, please do pick up a nomination form um, from the desk in the welcome area after the service and fill it out, find a, a, a nominee and a seconder and give it to either myself or to Jenny Searle. Also, we really need to boost our team of sidesmen and welcomers who greet people on the door and welcome people into church and show them where to go. It's a really vital role. 
as we try to give both regular people and visitors to the church a really warm welcome. So if you think you can smile at people and welcome them, then please let us know. We want to try and make everyone feel welcome. And the third area is we'd love to grow the kids' church and creche teams further as well. I don't know if you've been along to a session yet, but it's absolutely fantastic. A huge amount of fun. It's just a little difficult for me to be out there and in here at the same time. But the more people who join the teams, the less often anyone has to actually be on the rotor. When the kids' church first started up, the team had to be out every single week and they never got to go to church. The good news is, now it's almost large enough that it's every other week, but it would be great to maybe get that to one in three, so that more of the time, people could come to church than be out of it. So that's the second mark of the early church, everyone playing their part. And a third mark, which comes across really powerfully, is the witness of the believers. Last week, we celebrated Easter, and the resurrection of Jesus. And the first disciples and the apostles understood that their main role in life was not building churches, but to be witnesses, to tell everyone they could find that they had seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And as they did, the church grew. And we read in the passage from Acts that it was with great power that the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and that much grace was upon them. And in the passage from John, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The church that Jesus started wasn't, if you like, a club, a group that met in a building. It was a sent out group of witnesses to his resurrection and the new kind of life which faith in him brought with it. And so most of all, We're meant to be witnesses, people sent out to tell the communities in which we live, work and play about the good news of the resurrected Christ. And one of the simplest ways of doing that is to simply say to a friend or family family member or a neighbour, come and see, why don't you come along and, and just give it a try. Do you know that reliable surveys suggest that there are three million people in the UK, who would come to church if only a churchgoer would invite them. If only someone who they know who goes to church would invite them. Isn't that amazing? One in 20 people are literally waiting because they don't have the courage to come on their own. They are literally waiting for a Christian to make a simple invitation to come to church. So whenever we do invite someone, we should always offer to go with them or pick them up from home, to take them with us, because one of the biggest hurdles these surveys reveal is the difficulty people have in just going through the door on their own. That's the biggest single hurdle. And so it's fear of the unknown. But if you offer to take them, then that fear goes away, doesn't it? So in view of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and through his resurrection, don't you think that we might pluck up the courage to invite one or two people along ourselves. Wouldn't it be great if some of them said yes? So that's it. Three things. A united church, a church where everyone plays their part, and a church of sent-out witnesses inviting the world to come and see for themselves. 
That's easy then. Surely all we have to do is that and we'll be a thriving, growing church, just like our vision statement says. Well, almost. You see, there's one significant ingredient I've missed out in my analysis. In verse 22 of our gospel reading, the risen Jesus, who has appeared in the midst of his disciples, breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the early church was not just excited by a good idea or a great vision statement or even a wonderful church growth strategy. What the Bible makes absolutely crystal clear in the Gospel of John we read this morning and all through the book of Acts and in the letters of Paul and Peter and the others in the New Testament was that not just the apostles but all of the new believers were energised in their faith and their work and their witness by the power of God living in them in the form of the Holy Spirit, given by God, given by Jesus, to the church, for all Christians, for all time. And so for St. Matthew's to be the really effective witness it needs to be in the parish that it serves, what the church needs more than anything else is the power of the Holy Spirit living in each believer. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gave Peter the courage to preach the first great sermon at Pentecost where 3,000 people were converted. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that brought that unity to the early church. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on those first disciples that made them bold witnesses, fearless witnesses to Jesus Christ, people who were prepared to even go to their deaths for the sake of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, instructs the Christians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It literally means, the the Greek there means, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need in each of our Christian lives and in the church here at St. Matthew's, the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And as we approach Pentecost Sunday in a few weeks' time, it's a good opportunity to learn more about the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians. All believers have the Holy Spirit, but not all believers are filled with the Spirit. How can we be filled with the Spirit? How can we experience more of the Spirit in our lives? Well, these are some of the questions that we're going to be considering over the coming weeks in the run-up to Pentecost Sunday. Because Jesus didn't just breathe his Holy Spirit on that room full of disciples. He intended for all Christians, including those of St. Matthew's, to live lives full of the Holy Spirit and through them to build his church. Amen.